welcome. Or I guess uh, there's no banter, huh? Yeah, I guess we have to do an intro of some sort. Yeah. (laughs) Um. Move out of the way. Welcome to Under the Pendulum. (laughs) That's all I got. (laughs) Fucking damn. Stole it. (laughs) I did such a good job. (laughs) She did. She done took it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, welcome to Under the Pendulum. I'm Chris Weber. Here, as always, is Heather Weber. Hello. And joining us once again is Caitlin Weber. From Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Los Angeles. <laughs> Los Angeles. That's what like the old white people say. Los Angeles. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so this will be the uh, second episode in our 80s uh, horror film series. And Katie has the... <laughs> what is that? <gasps> John? <gasps> John? <laughs> <laughs> so for for my favorite 80s horror movie it was very difficult but i knew i wanted to choose uh anthology movie because i just yeah. i i just love anthologies they're just mm-hmm. so fun I, I mean it's just you get so much for an hour two hours you know of, of yeah. entertainment mm-hmm. and it's just it's fun to change it up and it's fun not to have to follow, you know, a storyline for too, too long sometimes. Sometimes it's just yeah. sweet when it's just like a short story. Yeah. And, you know, I guess in the kind of like, you know, in, in, in reading form, I, I also love anthologies like short stories or mm-hmm. it's probably my favorite form. Me too. Of, of yeah. like, you know, a fiction and fiction writing and stuff. It's just, I don't know. So even the show about short stories are just super great and like yes. easily digestible. Exactly. Yeah, I like them too. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't know if I'm just subject to the generation I've grown up in or entertainment culture and, or what, you know, whatever, but I do, do prefer that. But I have chosen 1982 Creep Show. Oh, another yes. 1982. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that, was a, funny? that was a good year, man. Good I year guess for so. Films. That was a damn ass and good year. Poor Creep Show was like <laughs> trampled by this fucking wonderful giant. That was the thing. But, Actually, like, the thing did not do super well. Oh, yeah, it it kind of became a like a, an underground cult classic and, and yeah, then become the best famous. Do. The best yeah, but it, do. it did not do well. It did horribly. Didn't yeah, it, it did really bad at the box office. Some people said it was um, the most hated film of all time. <laughs> That's some, I've, I've oh, my God. I'm all. so surprised. Yeah, I was I was very surprised, too. I guess it was just like some people just thought it was like just shameless gore and you know it's basically like gore porn yeah it's just gross for me the sake of being gross i guess so um, yeah for that know, time i would say that too fucking whatever and then <laughs> and it. then like you know fast forward 20 30 years it's fucking hostile and saw and shit like that and they're like where's we take it back please please give us more of the thing you know like anything that's <laughs> actually halfway decent here oh but, i see yeah but um, yeah, it was uh, it was hard to choose because I was also going to choose between my personal favorite, but I just don't want to subject the audience to have to listen to thirty minutes to an hour of wax work because I really uh, wanted to I talk about. I was thinking about, about that. picking that one. Too. Oh my god! <laughs> what year was that? What was that? Eighty. It was like eighty-eight or eighty-nine. Yeah, and like, I think it was like the research I did. I w- it was one of those things where it's like I wish I didn't know about it because it was like. <laughs> A ramshackled piece of shit. Oh yeah, and oh, it really? was like oh, yeah. it was a way for the director to pay for some debt, I guess. And he like it was like kind of on like a bet or some kind of deal with like another producer uh, or whatever. Is there no integrity anymore? <laughs> I mean, but it's so good because it's just like I love it. Yeah, great, it's great movie. 
it's like a Barbie dolls kind of thing, like with the plot line and stuff. It's really <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. And pick villains names out of the hat, like classic movie monsters plus Marquis de Sade. What? Okay. <laughs> and like, what else like was hot there? Marquis de Sade? Uh, yeah. There was a werewolf and there was and Dracula the... and, and then like uh, the... the mummy. Yeah. The mummy and uh, zombies and, and yeah. Oh my God. Two more things about this movie. Cause it's so fascinating. Waxwork still not, because we don't get to creep show, but Waxworks was funny because they went way over budget. They were pretty much fucking around the whole time, <laughs> and they there there's a clause in a contract where it's like um past agreement for delivery or something, and they were way past when they were supposed to deliver the f- film. So they essentially oh. had a week to finish the film, and that's what the fucking you know. <laughs> End sequence is is that last yeah. week that they were trying to deliver the film. And which there is had so to be funny. something behind that bucket. Uh, turn exactly. in your paper, doing your paper right. the night before. Like they... <laughs> I can't even remember. I, I listened to um a talk mm-hmm. about it and the guy mentioned that the end and the plot was supposed to be so much more involved and different about like the human race and there were supposed to be all kinds of like different segments and stuff, but they literally <laughs> ran out of time. And I mean I think it kind of, I don't know, it makes it a little bit better and it keeps it a little bit more inside that world, like tight, but yeah, that's just me instead of reaching out too far. Anyway, so, and then the other one I was going to choose was Tales from the Dark Side, but oh yes, Creepshow, as you'll find guys, and you know, Creepshow is just fucking amazing, even when you- It really is. I feel like you know a movie's good when you look at the bones of it and like the intentions behind it. And this is one of those that it was just all around, like, made for people who cared about the history of comic books and horror, all from the writers to producers to special effects to art direction. It was all yeah. people that really genuinely cared about it. Oh, yes. So, yeah, yeah, it's uh, that's actually one of my favorite things about it is, like, you know... Oh, it's it just it's super great, but they also try to keep that like sort of comic book cheesiness. You know what I mean? Like exactly. And they just do it really well. It's a living comic book. And it um, was the first time it was ever done in that style, kind of. Yeah, thing it's too. it's very cool. It's very yeah. like I don't know. It's it's yeah. We'll, I'll let you. Oh yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's. I always kind of in my head, um, before I found out a lot of this information, I would have always placed it like eighty four, eighty five kind of thing. But knowing that it was just a few years years earlier makes so much sense for like later things like like the anthologies that would come out and like Tales from the Crypt revamp. Mm-hmm. And I I wonder if Creepshow even remotely had a hand in that kind of comeuppance and resurgence of EC kind of you know parameters and and yeah. structure and mm. yeah, it's so. interesting thought, right? It's it's like it did the because well, I guess. I don't know if I'm going to be cutting too much in your stuff, but did like mm-hmm. did Creepshow do well? I was going to say so. It was its budget was eight million, but it was uh, twenty one million at the box office, and That's I don't bad. know. I'm still learning what that is, but that's that's pretty okay. I mean, yeah. they, for a horror you know, they 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 got they got profit, so I mean that's mm-hmm. um, you know like if if eight million was that and then twenty one, that's you know it's it's like good you know yeah. at least it didn't fl- it didn't flop no. You know? And, like, they didn't go with a big distributor, which I'm pretty surprised about. I didn't know that. That makes a lot of sense why, you mm-hmm. know, so much allowance for style and and um, right. writing and all of that was 
it's best when there's not too many cooks in the kitchen and it's kind of something that's, you know, really honest like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, but the two heads were just giants, too, at the time. Yeah. Like, R- Romero and King. Like, yeah. So it's a dream. Absolutely. So the the movie was directed by George A. Romero and the screenplay was written by Stephen King. It was originally some of his short stories and then like mm-hmm. two or three were made for the film, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's right. What what ones were there? Were they, Heather? Do you know? I know The Lonesome Death of Jordy Verrill appeared in a magazine uh, years before they put it in oh, the, um, the movie. Yeah. Um, and the other one, you know, I don't remember what the other one was. I think there was two. I want to guess might have the, been the crate. crate. Yeah, yeah, it might have been the crate. It's yeah. just so simple but so good. Just fits yeah. in there really well. Yeah. But, but yeah, so apparently... George A. Romero and Stephen King uh, met over discussing doing a feature of Salem's Lot. And that didn't end up happening. They ended up making... That would have been super cool. I guess, like, Romero had done a vampire movie recently. He did. I have vampired out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, you know, they just... What the producers wanted or what the distributors wanted wasn't synonymous with what they wanted to do together, which was... Mm -hmm. I really appreciate that you know, discussion and language that they really knew who they were as far as artists go and like their place and like knowing that that project was not right for them. And then, then, you know, over that discussion, they talked about the stand a lot and how Romero was very open to doing the stand, which makes perfect sense with like, you know, Night of the Living Dead and, and, um, Mm -hmm. Dawn of the Dead. But, um, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, like, I mean, I guess by that, that point, by 82, they were both, like, veterans of their of their respected fields, you know? Oh, so for it's sure. Like, so I think that's kind of a good thing that, you know, they they were already really well established. And so they already kind of knew, going back to saying, like, yeah, you appreciate, like, them knowing, like, what they want and, like, who mm-hmm. they are as, as, as creators. Um, you know, it's just, like, great time because they already have a lot of projects and a lot of notoriety under their belts. Absolutely. It's really funny if you watch a trailer... It's like Stephen King's name doesn't seem to be quite a household name at this point. It's the work he's done that people know. So they say like from the cr- the creator of The Shining and, and blah, right. blah, blah kind of thing. So I thought that was kind of intriguing. I'm like, there was a time when Stephen King's name wasn't known like that? That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, you know? I guess. Yeah. Stephen King! Because <laughs> I don't think Carrie came out too long before that. I think maybe Carrie was 76 or something oh, like that. Yeah, uh, yeah I think yeah. they mentioned Christine and Carrie. I think that's what Yeah, it was. and yeah. then Shining came out in 81. That's really? That's crazy. Yeah. I would have yeah, thought you, it you was kinda, years Yeah, before. I would have thought it was late 70s. But right. Yeah, it's actually like, I might have started filming in the late 70s. Maybe, I mean, yeah. Knowing fucking Kubrick. Dude, yeah. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> So the the thing about like how they came upon um after talking about the stand creep show was they both talked about their love for EC comics and stuff like that mm-hmm. and yeah. how they both were deeply inspired by that as children and and as a, adults to this yeah. day and it was kind of that no holds bar anything goes sort of thing sure that, right. that was that was the allowance for the 40s and 50s of EC comics and then yep. I, I don't know if the the listeners know but there was just a huge halt on it it was banned 
because people started to realize how gnarly Gory. these comic books were. Gory and, and graphic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And the interesting th- interesting thing about EC Comics, this this is all just super important to the whole. It's corrupting the youth. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I forget, was it just the Tales from the Crypt documentary, too, where they really talk about EC Comics? Yeah. Into it? Mm-hmm. I recommend anybody who's interested listening to that or watching that. It's It's fabulous. Yeah, season about. one and two DVD of Tales from the Crypt uh, has a featurette on EC Comics. That's cool. So I, haven't, I haven't seen it. Yeah, yeah. it's oh, really Chris, good. I've watched it like three times. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's an interesting part of uh, of like kind of pop culture history. You know, it's like this, oh yeah, uh, I don't know. It's just like this this age where people were so afraid of this moral decay of society. You know, yeah. I mean, this crops up every so often in history, but it was like you know that fifties, like forties, fifties, early sixties. You know, like the Beatles, people right. were burning Beatles shit after he said something about God. And, Absolutely. You know. So it's it's just like this really interesting part in time where it was like this war on pop culture. Oh, right. Yeah. And then, you know, the more you take it away, the more people are going to want it kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Um, it always backfires. Yeah. It's like, like, look, at, look at Prohibition. Look how that worked out. And it's it's interesting, too, like things like comics or types of music. Or, um, oh my gosh, animation, you know, and acting. Like, there was a time where people really didn't take it seriously. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, later on it becomes an absolute tyrant. And it, not tyrant, but just larger than life kind of thing. Right. <laughs> I got a lot of yeah. words here. Oh, that's all right. I mean, yeah, with Bill Gaines, the, the guy who took over his father's company, EC Comics, mm-hmm. um, after he died, they actually took him to court. Or I think obscenity charges. Oh wow! Pretty sure. There's actually people photos of people burning piles of these EC yeah. comics. Can you imagine? Well, actually, and, and I guess we would kind of see that happen again in the '80s, later '80s, with I guess things with like the Satanic Panic or like mm-hmm. heavy metal or rap music being like dragged into federal court systems because right. it's supposedly like you know. Um, obscene language and, and stuff. Yeah, you know, so we get the parental advisory. Right. So it's uh, yep. it's, it's it's interesting that a kind of resurgence happens again. Um, yes. It's 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 a bunch of fucking squares pissed <laughs> off because everybody's having fun. Well, and not to mention the cats that were making these um comics were fresh from the war. Maybe had been in two, both of the wars. Sure. Had seen terrible things that they were just trying to get out of their fucking brains. You know, and mm-hmm. like. From the pulps to EC, like I, I believe that those are both heavily influenced by World War One and World War Two, which is absolutely yeah. fascinating. Yeah. And like the artwork with the 1930s pulps and stuff. I mean, I try to give Heather one a year for Christmas if I can find them because yeah, they're, they're so cool. beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just those early pulps, like with that kind of just primary colors everywhere just like yeah. greens and blue and like <laughs> smacking in the face exactly yeah. and then you know the way that's utilized in creep show is just all around so good yes mm-hmm. they really yeah. tie it in it's yeah, amazing really yeah so i definitely invite everybody to try to look into ec because it's it's such an integral part of i think a lot of the horror movies we're talking about even pulp see chris mentioned that before it's just so important for for all of it. So anyway, it comic book art ties into the aesthetic of Creepshow greatly. Mm-hmm. And not only did they have Stephen King and Romero on board, but they also ha- hired Tom Savini, who 
yes. is like next to Stan Winston, like he is the the second biggest name for special effects and creatures yeah. and monster makeup and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just he's so fabulous. A legend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like is. every interview with him, he's like so chill, so funny. You yeah, would, he was you... he was in the war in one of the wars. I think he went into he was in Vietnam. Oh, was he in Vietnam? And actually, and so he got to see a lot of death and bodies, and that's how he got so good at doing like body part and stuff because like he actually saw no, these things. No, I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, so that influenced how he did his, a lot of his makeup effects and works and yeah. stuff, uh, especially with wow. like with wounds and. Talk yeah. about like maybe that being a zen like therapeutic thing to get through some of that, you know. Or like art yeah. in general, like mm-hmm. whether it be pulp magazines or special effects, you know? Yeah, just, absolutely. Yeah. Just a way to you, purge that out of your mind in a way. Yeah. Have that yeah. outlet. Yeah. And, and you can see him actually, you can see that interview with Joe Bob Briggs on. Um, yeah, that's where on, I watched uh, it. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, on the, his episode that. on Maniac. Yeah. Oh, on yeah. Maniac. I was right. Maniac. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, God, Maniac. Uh, what was this? It was Joe Bob. It's it was a. a yeah, it's, it's the last drive-in. Um, it was he oh, interviewed Tom Savini while um in between playing uh this uh Maniac, which was from the eighties, I think. Yeah, it's wow. it's batshit crazy. It's bad. It's yeah, it's it's crazy. It's it's bad, <laughs> but it's uh you know it's fun. It's fun. Yeah, yeah it's super fun. That's awesome. I'm gonna have to watch that. He just yeah, he it's... seems like such a joy. I I love Tom Savini <laughs> interviews. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he just like he seems so in a weird way like. I don't know, like a warm figure, like huggy and very sweet and stuff like that. Like he talks about one of the actresses comes on set for, for one of the, or the first story father's day. And she was like a silent film actress or something like that. Really oh, big yeah. back in the day. And he like says that he grabs her face like really softly. And it's just like, you were the queen of my world kind of thing. Like <laughs> so nice to this lady. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, there's another part where um, someone has their head submerged for a shot, and they have, like, four different safety measures, but he's still standing there with, like, a sledgehammer just in case, like, secretly. Yeah. Like, he's just, he sounds like such a sweetheart. I love that guy. Yeah. But anyway, so one last person I'd like to bring up, like, as a, as a header of this movie that's great, um, I found was the soundtrack uh, composer, which is uh, John Harrison. and. He also did uh, Tales from the Dark Side as well, and mm. a long, long list of really awesome campy horror movies, but like kind of that, I don't know, Victorian twang to it, or just really yeah, that makes genuinely sense. creepy goodness that's like kind of synonymous with like Suspiria, like like that kind right. of goodness. And he also, I just found out, uh, scored Dune, the the movie that's oh. coming out. So Oh, oh the, the, the new one? The new Dune. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, you guys That's gotta awesome. listen to Creep Show soundtrack if you ever just sitting around because it's, <laughs> it's it's super. I'll, it'll get, I'll have to download it. <laughs> it you have to. It gets you in the mood for like Halloween and all of that. It's really. really oh, fun. dude, I was gonna blare that. My neighbors are gonna be even more afraid of me. Yeah, <laughs> just, like, just the scary music emanating oh, from no, the there's house. There's some chanting and shit going on <laughs> just in it. Bringing out a bucket of bones and just like, <laughs> hey, neighbors. <laughs> it's so good. I love it. So the best way I I think to kind of break this movie down, you know, you can talk about the sets and the different segments and stuff. But I I think that just for simplicity's sake, I'd rather just break it into all of the different stories in the anthology. Yeah. Um, So there are five, like kind of six technically, but five stories total. The I guess the sixth kind of technical one is the 
uh, gift wrapping, if you will, overall story with like Stephen King's son and right. like an actor who is his cranky father and like a voodoo doll kind of motif that's cut from this book and like the host that would be like the crypt keeper in this is called the creep mm-hmm. and like he is what's on on front of the cover and he's just you know the shrouded skeleton thing yeah and, very reminiscent um, of of the original crypt keeper mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's too bad they didn't have him like saying some punny you know goodness in this but probably better I, they didn't <laughs> I, i'm i'm glad that 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 ham hamminess was saved for the later crypt keeper like i'm glad that that was yeah. a different character yeah. and yeah. they and they did put him like when on to introduce each segment of of the film there yes. was like a comic book page that would show you the title of it and there would be like a little quippy like of him kind of a quote from him yeah. Like on each one of those. And it's it's sad because like 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 a lot of things like that stop motion segment you mentioned in the thing, they made a whole uh puppet for the creep out of this. And like I guess he had bones that would move and like breathe, all kinds of stuff going on inside of him, but it was covered by the shroud in like the only shot you really get to see his like half of his body, which is just like oh yeah. that's a bummer, but that's cool. And they show, yeah, like, a cool little diagram of how, like, somebody would, you know, manipulate the puppet, like, laying down and stuff under a wall. Yeah. That was pretty cool. So, yeah, the uh, the first story is Father's Day. That story is amazing. It's got uh, Ed Harris in it, like, really on yep. in his career and stuff. And two other actresses that were pretty predominant, I'd say, in, like, the 40s and 50s. And it's them older, but they... You know, like a lot of the actors in this movie, they're very good and yeah. they take it seriously. And it's nice to have such seriousness as like, I don't know, a leverage on the campiness. You I know? think uh, it works good having, you know, these these, you know, actresses or, or actors who are, you know, from an earlier age, you know, like the 40s and stuff when film and acting was a little bit bigger, you know, like it was yes. like a lot more big gestures and, 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 yeah, yeah. and it works really well with the film since it's supposed to kind of have that. It's supposed to be like a comic book. So everything's Absolutely. just a little bigger over the top. Um, yeah. And so they do, I, they just do a great job. You know, it's, it's kind of their natural element, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, just placed in the eighties now. Yeah. Yes. It's really cool. Absolutely. And you know, it's, it's, there's so many motifs in it. I, I guess there's lots of spoilers in, in these series. You know, I can't talk <laughs> about it without spoiling it. But yes. um, yeah, I, I don't know. There's there's disco in this one. Casey yep. love disco. There's some <laughs> fabulous, horrible dancing, white people dancing. Flabby <laughs> <Yes. laughs> butts just, and, and just wiggling. Like Ed Harris is being interviewed. He's like, I don't know how to fucking dance. He's like, <laughs> 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 but yeah, so in this in this story, it's... um this this really rich family and i guess it was like a wig importer's house that this movie was filmed in like old money kind of thing so beautiful right. old mansion bedelia was her name i think yeah but it, yeah and the, the the father's name was like nathan or something so anyway she took care of her like during life and um they're telling the story about this woman as she's going to visit the grave of her father on Father's Day. I think it's the day he died as well. Yeah, that sounds um, about right. So anyway, they're talking about her and and Bedelia took care of her elderly father. <laughs> <laughs> and 
he was kind of senile and stuff, and he just was always saying awful things that our father says to us sometimes, joking every Father's Day. Like, Where's <laughs> my cake, Bedelia, you bitch? You're just trying to get my money. And he's like smacking his cane oh, and stuff. I remember dad saying that. <laughs> Where's my cake? You're always after my money. <laughs> <laughs> And then, like, in the story, you know, she just takes it for so long, and then she falls in love with some man, and then the father has him killed, I guess, and they they allude to that. So it was, a uh, like, Father's Day, years before this, this part in the story, and she's doing this cake, and she's going crazy, and she's, like, holding her head, like, ah! He's just whacking his cane. So then she goes up behind him and hits him with the this marble ashtray with the cherub on it like this fabulous green marble ashtray it shows up (laughs) later in the film but it's just so good if i ever saw that thing like out in an antique mall i would buy it in a heartbeat (laughs) it's amazing so anyway so she so the whole family is nowadays like present time whole family's there waiting for her and they're wanting to have a father's day meal kind of thing and she's been missing for a while because the father, Nathan, has come up from the grave kind of thing. And then, you know. So the most memorable part, I think, of this movie, like, I'd say two parts, is when Bedelia is out visiting the grave of her father. And she's drinking booze. And she yeah. she's bitching at him. She's like, why'd you fuck up my life kind of thing? And she's doing a great job acting that, by the way. I yeah, still she love does. that monologue. Yeah. <laughs> And she's like, you fucked up me and you fucked up my mother, like kind of thing. Like, oh, damn. And anyway, so she drops her apple juice all over the grave, which is her. (laughs) (laughs) Her iced tea, whatever it is. (laughs) And um, all of a sudden, it's that wonderful creep show music where it's like. Oh, yeah. And like. Exactly. So and then, you know, this beautiful horrible disgusting zombie creature comes up this wonderful comic book creature where there's like a root system and dirt like compounded in like the ligaments and shit and he's got like maggots everywhere and it's just it's not juicy and disgusting it's cartoonish and wonderful and then there's Mm -hmm. this it's blasted with this like magenta red lighting on it and it's just like what you wish going to a cemetery was like but it's not (laughs) some people would say no (laughs) (laughs) i need to bring my own lights to cemeteries at night or something but (laughs) but yeah it's it's great and they talked about in the making of it that it was um the owner of the property it was a fresh grave of their uh german shepherd that had died so oh, it was geez. an actual grave. I don't know if they took the body out or what. But um, <laughs> I hope not. Yeah, just lay next to the dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so nobody wanted to wear the costume because they wanted actual maggots or like mealworms on it. And that just started grossing everybody out. So like one of the, the girls, I think she was like a wardrobe girl. She's like, fuck it, I'll do it. And so she, it was a woman that was in that <laughs> costume, like a tiny woman. Oh, wow, woman. cool. Uh-huh. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Tiny woman. So anyway, that's, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. This goes on to the other really great scene in this is um 
I'm sure that he snaps her neck or something. I don't remember how he kills something Cecilia, like that. Yeah, but doesn't doesn't know. he? Does he push uh, the the tombstone? Oh, that's yeah, on that's yeah. on Ed Harris because Ed oh. Harris goes oh, looking for that's, her, that's, that's and that's right, the yeah, memorable yeah. one. And he makes this fabulous like noise like when it falls <laughs> on <laughs> where it's like very Monty Python like. I, I, yeah, I think there's I think there's an audible splat. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Very funny. But the best, best, best part of Father's Day, in my opinion, is the uh, aunt's head cake. I forget I her name. Too. Her name was Carrie Nye, but she's just this awesome like very old money like reptilian looking woman not reptilian but she's very reptilian <laughs> she's just like i've never smiled once in my whole life kind of thing <laughs> and anyway it's her severed head with frosting on it and like fucking lopsided candles and then he's all like the zombie guy's holding it and he's all like well, i finally got my cake it's father's day and then we see that beautiful thing they do in creep show where it's the actors with like comic book textures behind them backlit by you know green light red light or purple light mm. and that effect alone was just absolutely amazing and that was all practical as well you know yeah, yeah and i love cool. i love how at the beginning and end of every short story they um the scene freezes and then it, it changes um into comic book Yes, um, mm-hmm. like like actual illustration, or or the illustration changes to real life, and then yeah. the story commences. It's a very, it's a really cool way to segue. I think so um, too. Yeah, it's very neat. These these production designers and art directors and like After Effects people, uh, and post people were all just phenomenal in this. Oh my yeah. goodness, mm-hmm. they they really listened to what they wanted and did such a good job with it. And, like something that yeah. had never been done before. You know, it's just. <laughs> I feel like it really got the gears going for a lot of people later, like Sin City and things like that, you know, with those kind oh, of yeah, yeah. those kind of features in it. Mm-hmm. Which is super cool. So the next story in this is is I don't know, it's my favorite. It might be your favorite too, you guys, but The Lonesome Death of Jordy Barrel. Yes. Uh yeah, it's it's one of my favorites. It's up there, in, yeah, yeah, for sure. It's so good. It's it's fucking funny, yeah. So <laughs> So this one's played by Stephen King, like his best cameo or acting in in any of his movies, I believe. Even though they yeah. say it's his, it's his <laughs> even though they say it's his worst job acting, because like he was hamming it up, just ha- like, ha- oh hamming it up, oh big time. Romero told him, "Oh Jordy, him, like, you lunkhead." What, what was that? Oh Jordy, you lunkhead. Oh my god, he's just like my whole hand on his face oh, yeah. like that. <laughs> And, like, I guess Romero's direction for him, for Jordy Barrel's character, is, like, play it like Roadrunner or something. <laughs> and it's like, what does that even mean? Oh, like a, like a, like a, like a Looney Tunes character. Yeah, yeah. like it's a like, Looney yeah, Tunes huge, character. Very exaggerated. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, he tried. Like, I was like an Elmer Fudd or something, actually. Yeah. He's, like, actually very much like a sort of like an Elmer Fudd <laughs> yes. um, kind of character, you know? So... The the plot of this, as far as the, the long and short of it, is, uh, you know, it's some hillbilly dude in overalls, Stephen King, and a meteor strikes in his property, and he runs to it, and it's just like, you know, 
like all these like <laughs> scientific like not scientific, sci-fi noises it's just yeah, really, yeah. Really, really like great alloys, like cowbell yeah. like weird like stuff like that exactly you guys i think we know our calling now like geez <laughs> i'm gonna be a foley artist so anyway then like you know stephen king's character's like fucking meteor what he doesn't say that but pretty much freaking out about it and then yeah. he like fantasizes about taking this meteor off to like a, a university and having them pay <clears throat> him two hundred dollars which to him will you know he says pay off that bank loan kind of thing <laughs> and the the flashbacks are hilarious so anyway he he goes to touch the meteor he like he's just like looking at it and he touches it and it it like gets his hand and like that whole like green light lights up his face that whole like just feeling that shock happens which is so great in that movie and then the meteor breaks in half and it starts you you everybody remembers that green ooze coming out of it you know yeah, it's like the it's like black light um liquid yeah. inside or, or something. Or like antifreeze or something. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I always thought it looked like, you know, gushers or something. Like really yeah. I always thought it was like sour apple tastiness coming out of that meteor when I saw <laughs> it. Just it. Drinks it. It's mm. meteor shit though. It's meteor shit. And meteor there, that's the, shit. that's the that's the line from the whole movie. The best line is meteor shit. Like that's <laughs> That's the greatest. Anyway, so he gets infected by something from a meteor, and now there's moss growing on his fingers. And he, when he initially burned himself, he put his fingers in his mouth kind of thing, and he's slowly having this weird mossiness grow on his fingers, and then he, soon he'll see that it's growing on his tongue. An interesting thing about that was I guess they had made a prosthetic tongue that would grow for Stephen oh. King that didn't work. And they had oh like, oh like like the moss would grow on it. Uh, I'm oh, that, sure that like tongue did cool. like crazy shit. But sure. then he also had these crazy like contacts that were made that wouldn't work either. I mean, it's cool that like his performance and set and all the set dressing carried it completely yeah. fine. But yeah. yeah, I think about the the set dressing of that is just totally it's beautiful. Awesome. And it's they make awesome. sure it looks really like exaggerated greens like really neon limey greens really alien mm -hmm. too alien yes it looks super alien with all those like really straight tendrils coming out like really jungly yeah. and then like he chugs a bunch of orange juice and vodka and then he yep. <laughs> the best part is when he the the he wants to take a bath because i guess he's in a lot of pain or something he he itches, he itches it's, yeah lot, he yeah. itches like itches, so bad that's yeah it. And there's sparkles all over the water and his dead father's in the <laughs> mirror, like telling him not to go in the water. And he's just like, I'm a goner already, daddy. You remember? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I love the sparkles on the water. I love like his whole makeup and stuff and like how it's starting to billow out on his back and his chest. So fast forward, he totally takes a bath he shouldn't have. And now it's growing like crazy. And then it does this wonderful like time lapse of it growing more and more and then in the morning he's just now completely consumed by it i'm sure it's like in its insides and and everything and you can't see his face anymore and it's got that horrible gurgly like phlegmy voice deep, that's deep, consistent deep voice, yeah. <clears throat> in the movie they used it for the father as well earlier so in in this in this shot the last scene he uh shoots his head off 
like with a shotgun, like an old rusty shotgun. So I guess when they were filming this, they had a guy like the, this Tom Savini's assistant laying down through the set wall and holding up the puppet. And it actually had a shotgun blast. Like, I mean, they were blanks, but anything that close would hurt anybody. So every time they did it, the puppet or the, the makeup would catch on fire and they didn't tell the assistant that this happened until the end. And they did it like three times. But yeah, he's just laying there with this big mass of mossy plant stuff catching on fire. Like that shit's crazy. Yeah, it, it, that story's so interesting, too, because it, it starts off very, like, you know, just silly and comedic, you know, and it's just it's, it's sort of ridiculous um, with, with his acting and just, like, the shots. and, and But then it, like, it's takes a fucking left turn, and it gets, it, it's real sad. At I the feel end. horrible I for him yeah. at the end. I think yeah, it's the it's, saddest of all. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's just fu- it's funny how, you know, you, you think it's just going to be this goofy thing the whole time, and then it's just, like, and then it takes a, you know, gets real dark. Yeah, I, I, the story is based on H.P. Lovecraft's Color Out of Space. Yeah, and it's it's got oh, a lot of parallels. That's right. Yeah, I was I watched that movie recently, and I was like the whole time I was like, this is just like the lonesome death of Jordy Verrill. So I looked it up, and sure enough. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Have you read that the, that short story? I am almost done with it. I oh, okay. Like five pages left in yeah, it. Yeah, I, I started watching the movie, didn't finish it, but I'm thinking about just reading the story. Yeah. It's supposed to be pretty. Try try both. The yeah. movie's great. Yeah. yeah. It's Nicolas Cage. I think it's exciting <laughs> that it's Richard Stanley's, like, come back into, mm. you know, really directing again. Yeah. Mm. That is cool. That's great. I mean, they fucked him up. Everybody should see The Island of Lost Souls about um, oh, yeah. Richard Stanley and The Island of Dr. Moreau. That shit sad. is crazy. And it really? also helps oh. you understand uh, what's his name. Who's the who's crazy pants in that? Oh, okay. yeah. Uh, oh, fucking. fucking um, the, the Marlon Brando. Yeah, yeah, yeah Marlon, Marlon Brando. Brando yeah. Oh, my God. Both of them. <laughs> Everybody. A trainer. I'm the greatest actor ever. And he shits his pants and. <laughs> puts an ice bucket on his head and like okay Pretty mister much. <laughs> so um the the third story is uh something <clears throat> to tide you over <laughs> yeah that's a, actually that's a, a really good one i like yeah. that one too i remember as a kid this one definitely scared me because mm-hmm. yeah the, the the makeup is really great in that in that one yeah yes and i mean the concept of or the idea of being buried and drowned and that we were in Florida, too. Like, I was just, yeah. like, ah, so scary. <laughs> too close <You> to know. <laughs> home. <laughs> so the big the big actors in this one were Ted Danson, or are Ted Danson and Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> I love him. I know, he's so He's good. very good in it. Yeah. yeah. He plays a good, like, kind of, like, villain, like, rich, just asshole. Yes, he know? does. Yeah. I guess he had a fart machine like on set with him all the time and like cracked everybody up like all of the time. That's that sounds like he. Yeah. <laughs> but um oh uh, yeah, that character reminds me of dad too cuz dad would just always say that like thing he said at the end like I could hold my breath for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think dad's a big fan of this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah dad yeah. is a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> but um anyway so the plot of this one uh long and short of it as well is um leslie nielsen's character is some rich whatever and ted danson is cheating on leslie or cheating 
Is is having sex with Leslie Nielsen. (laughs) So Leslie Nielsen's some rich guy, and then Ted Danson's, you know, fucking his wife. Yes. Blowing Ted. (laughs) Leslie Nielsen, no. (laughs) He's sleeping with (laughs) Leslie Nielsen's wife. I forget her Mm -hmm. name. I can't remember that. Is it Linda? Yeah, it might have been Linda. Linda. Linda! Linda! Yes, that sounds about right. (laughs) A very EC Comics name. Yes, when I scream it, I remember now. It's all coming back to me. (laughs) Yeah, so in in this movie, he, Leslie Nielsen, alludes to his wife being, you know, he's kidnapped her, and he wants Ted Danson to admit that he's been cheating or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So he takes Ted Danson down to a private beach and makes him get into a hole and he buries him up to his neck in the sand and he's told like under the under impression that he's going to see linda again and he does see linda but on a television screen where the same thing happened to her but right. in this video he sees that she is drowned this way yeah the, tide the tide's comes, coming in you yeah. know and and kills her and it's just it's really sad too. Like it's a very, very mm-hmm. sad story as yeah. well. <clears throat> and yeah. so, and then Leslie Nielsen leaves, leaves Ted Danson, and Ted Danson so- slowly starts to realize what's going to happen to him, and he's like, "Oh shit!" So he looks at the camera because, of course, Les- Leslie Nielsen's filming him, and he's just like, "I'm going to get you, Richard," kind of thing, and that's terribly haunting. And then there's like a shot where he's his head's like underwater, and there's like a you know, seaweed and stuff, and it's lit for, like, purple from behind, and he's just, like, grimacing, just like a yeah. perfect comic book. Like, so good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so then Leslie Nielsen's at home, and he, you know, he he's all happy that he's done this horrible thing, and he's won and stuff like that, and he gets out of the shower, and he starts to, to feel like there's somebody there, and, like, his, like, alarm system's getting tripped off and stuff like that, and then... He opens the door and it's Ted Danson and Linda. I I forget the actress's name. And they their makeup is fabulous because they it's look like cool. it's really yeah. good. They look like soggy dead things completely. Like if, I don't loaded know if ever... fucking corpses. Yeah, and their eyes yeah. are like swollen shut and stuff. And it's just so eerie. And it reminds it's me good. sometimes of like tiki figures, like tiki um. Carvings. Oh, because like how it's kind of like the the grain of the wood, like the yeah. deep, the deep um grain, of, and like I guess detail. Yeah. Yes, and further pushing that like sea island kind of ocean motif with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's like the the wrinkles in their in their bloated skin is like bark um, or yeah, like, like grain in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's very cool. And and apparently that was all that was was toilet paper and latex that was put on their faces. Dude, try tried and true, man. It is exactly. <laughs> and then also when when they get shot or when Linda gets shot in the forehead and that black ooze comes out. Oh, I, yeah, I, I love I love just like in thriller and I can't remember what else, <laughs> but when when the ooze or the blood is black on something dead, mm-hmm. I just think that that looks so so good. Yeah, it, it looks sick. But anyway, that was just a pump system, you know, with a, a really thin piece of toilet paper that just was like, like opened yeah. up and like <laughs> let it drain down That's and cool. stuff. But it's just that one's really great. The special effects and makeup on that was awesome. But mm-hmm. um, are we on number five? We're on five now. No, I think we're on, <laughs> we're on four. four. Yeah. <laughs> Failed the book report. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> 
Happy Halloween, everybody. I hope you're doing all right. I hope I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> I, hope, I hope you're not dead. I hope you're not a skeleton now, bored out of your mind with your cat sitting on your lap. <laughs> okay. So now the fourth story is the crate. Yay! Yay! And this is probably one of my least favorites. I don't know really? why. I really I like this crate. I think I this think is my number one. Very cool. <laughs> I don't know why I don't like that one so much. I think... <gasps> I think I just hate Wilma. I hate that character. Oh, Billy. Oh, and I'm call me like, Billy. What? Oh, call, call me, me Billy. Billy. Everybody <laughs> does. Oh my god. So, I won't I won't talk about this plot line too much cuz it's just like, yeah, whatever. It's kind of basic, but anyway, so it's like two professors at a school and one of the professors has this god awful horrible drunk wife that that her name's Wilma, but she always tells people to call her Billy. She is. She's, she's terrible. She's just. She's just always telling him he's a piece of shit. All these things, emasculating him yeah, in public, he's like worthless, and, and yeah. yeah. Yes, and he has like fantasies of like shooting her in the head. I love that. Like, That's totally <laughs> so brutal. Funny. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. It, and that seems everybody so funny. Claps. Shoots her, and everybody starts clapping. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and like, I guess the woman that played her, um, I forget her name. Let's see. Oh, Adrienne Barbo. She originally didn't want to play it because she's like, this character is absolutely terrible. I don't want to play this fucking bitch. But uh, I was hanging out with Gina the other night and she hadn't seen this. And she's all like, oh, playing a bitch is so fun. I love doing that. She's an actress. I, I can yeah. imagine. Never thought about it before. Anyway, so it basically there's this crate underneath the stairs in this really old university. And a janitor drops a dime trying to get something out of a vending machine and it rolls under the stairs to the crate. And so he tries to go for it and he sees those eyes in the crate or something, right? Or it moves. Mm -hmm. I can't mm -hmm. remember. So anyway, he calls Hal Holbrook right away. Mm -hmm. Oh no, the other guy, I forget his name. Hold on. Oh, Fritz Weaver was his name. So that, and both of those actors that I just sloppily mentioned are both really great actors played this really well. So anyway, yeah. he, he tells, he tells Weaver to come to the school and he's found this crate under the stairs. They get the crate from under the stairs and they open it. And the janitor's just really excited to see what's inside. He's like, I don't even care about my dime anymore. I just want to see what's inside of this thing. And so this creature, Fluffy, they called him, yeah. pops up <laughs> out of it, huge teeth, because I guess... When they were telling Tom Savini what they wanted it to be, it was just described as eyes and teeth and some fur. <laughs> so they had all these different designs that were like really bug-like and alien-like, but they ended up going up like with this kind of Sasquatch monkey-looking yeah. thing. And yeah, I guess yeah, it looks like a like a like a fucked up monkey. Yeah, yeah. And that puppet was crazy. I think it took like two yeah. or three people to operate that thing. That's I think it was cool, massive. It's a, it's a cool puppet though. Mm -hmm. It looks really neat. And it must have been heavy because it was a lot of like uh, fiberglass and like rigging, like metal rigging inside of this puppet. Like the armature sounded nuts. So. <clears throat> wow. But um, so it, it like eats up the janitor just like a cartoon. Just like nom, nom, nom. he's like slowly dragged in there and all this like blood really coming down. bloody. It's yeah. so blood. And like uh, Savini uses that gushiness of like a pulse a lot where like blood's just pulsing out. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So gross. So anyway, the guy's just terrified and runs out screaming. And then he, he calls up Hal Holbrook and he's like, you've got to come here. 
you know, it, there's blood everywhere. He's like hysterical and stuff. So he comes and they both see the creature somehow, but it doesn't hurt them. So he gets an idea to call his wife Wilma up to come help. <laughs> and he tells he tells um Fritz Weaver to go home. He's all like, I'll handle this. And he like cleans up all the blood and like, you know, like a murder scene. And then he tells Wilma that the guy, Fritz Weaver, um, like seduced a student and then beat her up really bad. And now she's hid under the stairs and, and Wilma's got to come and like get this, this girl out. And she's just like eating it up and like drinking it milk, like of all things. Yeah, like so disgusting. Like milk and yeah. booze. Like what the milk fuck? Milk and like whiskey or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> and so she shows up and I think she's got her glass of milk with her. Yeah, she does. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure. <laughs> she's just so gross. Anyway, so. She's just like, you know, he's like, he he's like trying to tell her about it. And then he starts laughing and she's just like, what the fuck is wrong with you kind of thing. And then he, they're like looking under the stairs because the thing had drug itself back to under the stairs. It's like it's home. And, you know, he's telling her to go under. He's still laughing. And then he pushes her and pushes her. And he's just like, wake up, wake up using Wilma's body on the crate. And she's just, she just deadpans looking at him like, yeah. She's like, what, <laughs> what are you doing, Friday? Hi? Friday night fights, huh? Like, it starts whacking him with his, her purse and with shit. her purse. Yeah, it's all so good, you guys. But anyway, yeah. anyway, she like makes fun of him as a man, like totally demasculating. Like, talks about how he doesn't make an impression on anybody, how he's like a total piece of shit, how he can't get it up, and like all these yeah. things. And You're like, no good. At- bad either and like stephen king installs everything a woman can say to a man that would just make one want to kill kind of thing (laughs) it's just awful and then all of a sudden fluffy pops up and eats her and the part where she goes like like, (laughs) it's very like operatic almost like theatrical where it just like takes is very 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 funny but yeah, and then they, they put it at the bottom of a lake, and then you see Fluffy's eyes, and it alludes that it will be back kind of thing. Yeah, so they good. chain the crate back up and throw it to the bottom of a quarry. Man. But he's still alive. I just feel like this movie, I feel like Stephen King made sure to have every element that, that does kind of scare us in a way, you oh. know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, for sure. A creature at the bottom of a lake, something back from the dead, aliens. Or I mean, like, like, like the the monster under the stairs. You yeah, know, kind yeah. Of thing. Like that's, yeah. I mean, that, that's almost like childish, you know, childish. In a yeah. Way, you know, it's, it's <laughs> but it's like a flipping it and making it actually something actually terrifying in an adult. I guess I'd say it's like an adult movie or. Oh yeah. 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 So, big time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I guess so. I guess it is there's, an adult. <laughs> there is a lot of fuck words being thrown around. And a lot of gore. <laughs> yeah, it's true too. Yeah. Just, oh, like, I just forgot. I guess the comic the comic thing makes it seem childish, you know. Yeah, for uh, sure. In, in a good way, in, in a fun way. I was gonna say I forgot to mention the the other kid that comes to help the professor before they get. Oh, it Hall gets Hall gobbled and, up. Yeah. Like that makeup job <clears throat> where it's like a bite or a scratch across the. Oh game. yeah, yeah the it, scratch. it uh, scratches him. Yeah. Yeah, it's <sighs> intense. That was brutal. Cool. That was yeah, really yeah. squishy and and, yeah. and that was good work. Nice one, Savini. <laughs> okay. Okay, so the last one, my 
My favorite, as far as the backstory goes, but not my favorite story, is uh, They're Creeping Up On You. Yeah. And holy shit, if if you have a phobia with bugs, this will do it. And like, oh, that's right. That that's in this one. Okay. Yeah. I, for some reason, I was thinking it was in um the second one. Uh, either that or or uh, Tales, from uh, Tales the Dark Side. Yeah, Tales of Dark yeah. Side. Yeah. Oh my god, you guys! Like they, I feel like this <laughs> is seldomly ever done where it's bugs like this, and like yeah, but cause for it's a like, reason. I feel like people don't want to produce something like this, aside from like arachnophobia or whatever, about yeah. bugs because they're afraid people really, really, really won't want to see it. Because <laughs> yeah. it's so deeply disturbing. It is, yeah. But yeah, it's 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 a funny, funny sidebar. It's funny, like how afraid of bugs, like a lot of people are. Like a, a guy I work with, he's like this big fucking jack dude, <laughs> and he is so scared of bugs, like like a moth. God, I just flew by him, and he was just like, Ugh. yeah. People <laughs> My boss lose is terrified their minds of around it's insects. So funny because he's do. such a big guy. Uh, that is really funny. <laughs> uh, in this segment, in this last story. The actor is E.G. Marshall, and I guess he was pretty famous too for as a character actor in the in the fifties and sixties. I don't know if you know of him, Heather. Yeah, he did a lot of radio shit, didn't he? Like, um, I don't know much about. Was him. it one of? Yeah, um, I believe he did. Everybody who was inter- interviewing was just like mentioning him, like he was, you know, a big fucking deal. Yeah. Uh, CBS Radio Mystery Theater. Oh, so he was really, he was probably a, a voice of a generation in a way. Yeah, he was the host of that show. Oh, wow. I remember hearing his name That's crazy. a lot That's... On, on Relic Radio. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh. Well, anyway, when 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 E.G. Marshall was asked uh, if he's all right with um, cockroaches crawling all over him, he just replied with, eh, whatever. Kind of thing. He was just, a just, good uh, sport. Just tape up my butthole. I'll be yeah. Right. <laughs> there, there's a whole storyline to this. I mean, I'll probably get into it a little bit. But the real star of the show are the cockroaches. The real cockroaches that were used on yes. set in, during filming. Absolutely crazy. So it's it's shot in, and I guess they weren't gonna do this segment because they were running over budget a little bit. And one of the um, set designers like, no, I can do it really cheap. I really want to do this. Like he was excited to do it. So it was like set in a New York flat and really clean, airtight room sort of thing. They did a really great job with that. Yeah, because the the, the guy's a a germaphobe. Yes. And he's wearing gloves the whole time. And like, there's like garbage disposals everywhere that like vacuum any trash out of his place and stuff. And he's yeah. a real asshole, and he's, like, firing oh, yeah. people on vacation with their family at Disney World and stuff, and he's just a real piece of shit. And he's racist, too. I think yeah, he, like, says real something racist. really, yeah, really gnarly to, to one of the, um, I don't know what, what the guy the was. Apartment complex, like the maintenance guy? The maintenance guy, yeah. 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 The, uh, he, I don't know if he hallucinates it or if it's real. It's kind of yeah, like it's, a, a it's karma a question. thing. Yeah, it's just that kind of karma thing and, like, a curse thing. And slowly he starts seeing cockroaches everywhere all over this white space and to the point where it's just hundreds of thousands of them everywhere. And they're crawling everywhere. And then, like, he, he, like, seeks refuge in his own room and stuff like that. And, like, he's like, fuck you guys, you won't get me in here. And then his, like, bed sheets are moving and he, he, like, takes off the covers and it's just, 
you know, fucking cockroaches everywhere. Yeah. So, and so in the last scene, it's him dead, like of what you assume is a heart attack because there's no bugs around or anything like that. Right. And then you realize like it's a puppet or it's like a mold of his face. And then like back in the day, when they did that a lot, you always knew something good was coming when you saw yeah. it. Was like, when you saw it was a, <laughs> a lifeless wax whatever. figure. Yes, what is it going to be? And like, it's just cockroaches erupt out of his chest, out of his mouth, out of his eyes. Like, it is just. Yeah. It's awesome. Fucking cool. That yeah. shit is so utterly disgusting. I don't think they've yeah. ever really done that since. And if they have, it's with CG and it's not the same. And then I guess like Jeepers Creepers, they kind of do a bug thing, but not really. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But anyway, so the story behind these roaches. So there's an interview with Romero talking about all from this one documentary that I watched that Heather and, and I think Chris, you might've seen it in passing before. No, I haven't. Oh, you um, got to watch it. It's yeah. on YouTube. Yeah, it's yeah. Really good. I'm definitely, I'm definitely gonna check it it's out. It's really yeah. good. So Romero's like, so a New York cockroach, he's like holding, sorry, I keep hitting my mic hello hello <laughs> is this thing oh, on no. is this thing on <laughs> cockroaches everywhere so um it's he like he's like okay so if you open up a catalog look up new york cockroach he's like you know about this big it's 50 cents a piece he's like we needed two hundred thousand of them he's like that gets expensive so oh, fuck man i yeah. know so, <laughs> that a budget a hundred thousand dollars for yeah, fucking for like bugs, for yeah. So they get a hold uh. of the Museum of Natural History, I believe. It must be on the East Coast, must be New York or something. Mm-hmm. And they get uh two entomologists to get them cockroaches. And they're like, Yeah, we can we can get you some cockroaches. And I don't know if they budgeted flying them over to Trinidad, but they went to Trinidad and they went to a bunch of caves where bats were and i guess these these types of cockroaches feed on the bat guano yeah yeah they'll i mean the the the, they like uh, biologists who have who have come and seen that they say the floor it just looks like it's moving because they're 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 crawling everywhere and they'll also like bats will fall and they'll they'll, eat them they'll eat the the bat live it's fucking Ah! dude they're fucking intense dude oh my god yeah (laughs) So they were saying that in some of the photographs of them, you know, what is what did they say? Ejecting or, you know, removing these these cockroaches that they were up to their waist in cockroaches in there. Jesus. Yeah. So they get about 100,000 of them out. That's pretty good. (laughs) Yeah. And they they bring them back to America. Oh, and by the way, these two gentlemen were uh, dubbed the uh, roach wranglers. Kind of like puppet wranglers or anything like that. So sure, yeah. <laughs> they brought them back, and I guess they had their own trailer on on set that they were breeding these cockroaches until this was <laughs> ready to be filmed in giant wow. vats. And Damn. so, yeah, and they <laughs> they dubbed the trailer the Roach Motel and stuff, and it had its own <laughs> sign and everything. Like everybody's being really good sports about it. Oh, that's cute. That's so. <laughs> I guess. It was just a fucking nightmare because once they would, so they tried to release the cockroaches and keep them contained in like a foam. Like enclosure, sure. Enclosure. And they put like, they thought, oh, we'll we'll put Vaseline on the top so they won't want to go over that. No, they like (laughs) flew around, they crawled everywhere and they got out. And so they pretty much wreaked havoc on the sets, which by the way, this whole thing was shot, not in a soundstage. It was an old high school. Creepshow was shot in an old, like, 
abandoned or vacant high school. So Whoa. the building became infested with these cockroaches. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, geez. And so they'd be trying uh. to do effects, too, on on set, and, like, they'd have to turn fans on for various things, and then the cockroaches would be coming on the fans and then, like, going on to the actors and stuff <laughs> like that. And, like, they said the the etymologists would get, like, so many cockroaches on them that they would be freaking out and stuff like that. And they're like, if these guys are freaking out, like, holy shit. It got to the point where they were putting gaff tape on their chairs so that if, like, facing outwards, so that if a cockroach tried to climb up, it would get stuck. Mm-hmm. And they would, like, take apart any of the props, and there would be cockroaches inside of the props. Jesus Christ. Man. And they Crazy. just, you know, do what co- cockroaches do best and burrow themselves inside of everything. Jeez. <laughs> it sounded like a nightmare. But yeah. Yeah, it's... <laughs> In the end, like, I guess, like, the, the set dressers and the makeup people were so used to cockroaches climbing all over them that they didn't even care. They would have, like, them all over them and just be like, whatever. <laughs> um, E.G. Marshall became fine with it, too, I guess. I don't know. I, I mean, I guess, right, it's like after a while, it's just like, well, they're not hurting me. And yeah, they're just kind of, you, you know, I don't know, I guess, like, that initial repulsion. Yeah, uh-huh. um, kind of, you know, it just kind of exposure dissipates. therapy right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exposure therapy. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they had to demolish the building because of how bad it got. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, like, well, I mean, it's, it's probably going to be demolished anyway. at some point anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if it's abandoned school. Yeah, know. wow. Yeah, so they were the real star of the show. It's yeah. crazy. That's what crazy. They yeah, did yeah. To get, I those guess it's things. not. It's not surprising that that happened. Nope. I mean, cockroaches are. They'll get anywhere, you know. They they can just squeeze through the littlest, yeah, you know, the openings and stuff. And like, even if I were doing a movie nowadays, a hundred percent practical effects, I would leave the ninety nine point something to CG cockroaches. I would never use real cockroaches. <laughs> yeah. After That'd hearing this idea. tale, yeah, sure, yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but um, I guess in summation, like along with just how awesome these stories are, how committed and serious the whole cast and crew were to, you know, completing something that was so essentially new. This movie is just beautiful, inspiring. It's probably done a lot for a lot of filmmakers to this day. Mm -hmm. And I know that every Halloween, like even several times a year, I like to watch Creepshow. It's a lot of fun. I do too. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't I haven't watched it. Well, I probably watched it last year, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. I, I don't think M's seen it, so I'm gonna have to show it to her. Yeah, uh, my significant other. Um, yeah. Oh, she'd love that. That'd be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking dope, man. Love to yeah, hear what her great. favorite story is in it. Yeah. <laughs> probably the cockroach one. Uh, maybe I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you? Uh, is there any anything else that was worth mentioning or? Hmm. I feel like I feel like you covered the um the special effects like for each yeah. story pretty good. Yeah, I mean from a production standpoint, just like you're talking about, like that stuff can be super boring, you know. Like yeah, sometimes it's a good story, like like with mm-hmm. The Exorcist or something. But sometimes it's just it's sort of just like I don't know. I mean, stuff. this was yeah. nice because they were they chose their d- distributor. You know, they were big names like nobody was fucking with them basically mm-hmm. like yeah a lot yeah. of these interesting stories come with like deadlines and people like really needing yeah. something or fucking with you or like a budget this was all pretty <clears throat> smooth which is is great you know yeah it made everybody like each other at the end and no hard feelings or or you know 
yeah, loss yeah, of it was great loss of money or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's uh, yeah, because like that, like, yeah, I don't know, I guess it's a pre Madonna or something, it's just like it was the worst experience of my life. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. Just like, oh, it's a fucking no. making a horror movie, man. It's not. I mean, and similarly to like Dracula, I, I talked about our last film series, like as far as looking at this as a young filmmaker or like a young, you know, crew member, this is great. This, this was something that had never been done before. You know, you could really try new things. And a lot of that was done post-production with all of the comic book elements and stuff like that. And like matte paintings and, and everything and just all yeah. around. And, and because of, the anthology aspect of it as like a coordinator or an art director or a set dresser or a designer, it had to have been insane to have been one or two people's jobs. Like it was probably a yeah. lot. Yeah. So it was, it was quite interesting and I recommend everybody listen to the soundtrack this Halloween <laughs> season. It's so fun. Even <laughs> if it's just the intro song. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going to find it and just blast it. Yeah. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Well, so yeah, do you got anything else, or is that that'll do it for me? Yeah, oh, cool. <laughs> that was really cool. Yeah, there's a lot of things I didn't know about the um, like production and the um, and and the you know the design and special effects is really yeah. neat. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I guess we should do socials. Do plugs. Um, <laughs> plugs. plugs! Uh, so you can find us on Facebook at Under the Pendulum Podcast, on Instagram at Under Pendulum Podcast, uh, Twitter at pendulum underscore pod and you can find all our episodes on spotify itunes podbean google podcasts or almost anywhere else you listen to your pods Woo! <laughs> and uh where can people find you heather uh at instagram h.n.thomas facebook heather thomas and um twitter at heather w thomas mm -hmm. and then uh i have narrations on creepy uh, Tales to Terrify, Pseudopod. Everybody's got to listen to Heather's stuff. It's absolutely amazing. And it's all in the same <laughs> spirit of, you know, the comeuppance of, of radio and horror and, and all of that goodness. All the all the Thank creepy pastas out there, all the good writing, all the good narration. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook by searching for Christopher Weber. And what about you, Kate? You can't find me anywhere. I live on well, I don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on Instagram for Froppy Starhog. I mean, Frothy Star Stardog. <laughs> 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 oh, man. You guys be good now. Enjoy your Halloween. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. We'll be back uh, with a, um, another episode to close out the uh, October month. Um, and... Also, don't forget we are having a contest where we'll be sending out a nice little Halloween package full of all kind of fun, oh creepy, cool stuff. Jealous. Um, I'm going to enter to win. Mm -hmm. I want it. <laughs> you can't. What? You can't do that. Are you going to give me pumpkin flavored weed and, and lattes and stuff? Send it in the mail. Pumpkin flavored rats. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, thank you for listening, everybody. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye.